0: Hey, well, good evening. It's good to be with you guys once again. I'm very happy that we had this time together um, to talk. Unfortunately, this is our last night together. Um, but but I want to share a few few things after we review what we talked about before. Um, I want to share a few new things uh, that I think are, are, are really important. So before we get into all of that, let's review. So the first night we talked about how each of us need to make a choice a choice for or against Christ. And this choice needs to be based on evidence. It can't be based on feelings or our surroundings, our parents, our school. It needs to be based on the evidence that we ourselves have studied. Faith is based in evidence. It's not based in feeling. It's not a blind belief in something upon which we have, you know, no evidence to base it. Faith is based in evidence. And so that's what we talked about the first night. The second night, we talked... From Matthew chapter 13 about how God sees in each of us something very valuable and that he would be and was willing to give up everything to save you and I. We talked about how sometimes we get this idea that that God is vindictive and that he just wants to you know, come down hard on us and find any way that He can to keep us out of heaven or to ruin our lives. But the reality is He wants to do everything He can to save us. On the third night, we talked about how a lot of times when we come to Christ, maybe we know, maybe we've done what we talked about in the first night. Uh, we, we, we know that... Um, We know that God is real. We know that the Bible is real. We understand the Bible and we know that God values us so we want to surrender ourselves and give ourselves to Him. But there are barriers. There are things that stand in the way. We talked about how we need to take the step of faith just like the man in John chapter 5 at the Pool of Bethesda. How we need to take the step of faith and utilize the power that God has given us to overcome the barriers that may be between us and God. And as we do that, God gives us power. So that's what we've talked about so far. Tonight we're gonna be talking about surrender. I know surrender might not be a very popular uh, topic. I don't personally like just rolling over and and giving into what somebody else wants. I'm pretty strong-willed. But surrender in the right context, uh, in the context of surrendering to God, is actually quite important. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles, and actually before we do that, Why don't we have a word of prayer? uh, Ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. And then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13 once again. But uh, bow your heads with me, if you would, for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to study, to pray. Lord, you know that you have called me and you've called each of these young people here uh, to this virtual setting to study your word. And so I pray that you will send us an extra measure of your Holy Spirit to help enlighten our minds, enlighten my words, um, and uh, help people to, to, to gain something valuable from this. I thank you so much, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Matthew chapter thir- 13. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to be reading in verses 45 and 46 as we did previously. Uh, Matthew chapter 13 verses 45 and 46 and it says again the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it as we talked about before the pearl of great price has two applications if you will remember we read from christ object lessons how we are in fact the pearl of great price Christ gave up everything to come and to purchase us. And we also read that in the flip side, Christ is the pearl of great price who we must give up all to obtain him, a relationship with him, and the salvation that he offers. Reading once again from Christ Object Lessons, we read, In the parable, the pearl is not represented as a gift. By the way, this is from page 116. In the parable, the pearl is not represented as a gift, the merchant man bought it at the price of all that he had. Many question the meaning of this since Christ is represented in the scriptures as a gift. He is a gift, but only to those who give themselves soul, body, and spirit to him without reserve. We are to give ourselves to Christ to live a life of willing obedience to all his requirements. All that we are, all the talents and capabilities we possess are the Lord's to be consecrated to his service. When we thus give ourselves wholly to him, Christ, with all the treasures of heaven, gives himself to us. We obtain the pearl of great price. In today's world, it's actually kind of unpopular to preach that in order to have a relationship, a saving relationship with Christ, we need to surrender. But the Bible makes it very clear not only here, but in other places, we'll uh, get to that in a minute. But the Bible makes it very clear that in order to obtain the free gift of salvation, we have to give up all. Now, I know that sounds a little bit um, confusing. It sounds like, okay, a free gift that you have to pay everything to get. But I think it's a little easier understood when you understood that, when you understand, excuse me, that what we're giving up are the things that inhibit us From obtaining that salvation. So let me give you an example. Let's say you and I, and I I don't know why we would be out (laughs) canoeing in a lake together, but let's just say you and I and some friends are out uh, canoeing in a lake together, right? And let's say that, okay, let's just make something up. Let's say that we're in the middle of a a large lake and a storm comes and capsizes our canoes. They sink and we're just kind of like swimming there in the water. And of course, we forgot life jackets because for the sake of the story, (laughs) we forgot life jackets. And um, so we're we're, we're kind of treading water there. We're swimming. It's too far to swim to shore. And uh, let's say that, once again, I'm just making this story up. But let's say that I brought with me a bag of books. Okay, I like to read sometimes, I guess. So <laughs> I brought a bag of books and I'm holding on to this bag of books. Well, I'm treading water, and I can just barely, 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 barely keep afloat. And a lifeboat or some sort of a rescue boat from the shore comes and and they are throwing the you know the life donuts. What, what do you call those things? The floaty things that you put under your arms? I don't even remember what they're called, but <laughs> they're throwing those out to the people and then they're rescuing them one by one. Well, imagine that I'm starting to get tired because I've been shredding water with my books and uh, they can't get to me quite yet. They're getting other people out of the water, but they throw me um, one of those donuts to help me to float. And I start using it. But the problem is, it's not strong enough to float both me and my books. But I don't want to lose my books, even though they're all soggy and wet. (laughs) I have an emotional connection to my books. So, So I keep holding on to those books. And the life donut thing, floaty thing, can't help me to stay afloat. The donut was free. It was something that was offered to me without me having to make any kind of a uh, you know a payment or anything in order to get it. But in order for that donut to be effective in saving me, I have to give up the weight that's holding me. A text that I would challenge you to look at is actually in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, and it talks about this concept how sin is actually a weight that ensnares us, that keeps us down, that that keeps us from realizing our full potential. So really when we talk about the fact that we have to surrender in order to obtain and and to utilize the salvation that Christ offers to us, all we're talking about is, is the fact that when we hold on to sin, when we hold on to those things that God knows are damaging to us, we're actually preventing salvation from being effective in saving us. It's not that it's not a free gift, it's that salvation can only work when we let it work. Does that make sense? If it doesn't, you should, hopefully, once again I'm going to ask the the Carolina Conference to include my contact information with these videos, but hopefully you should have my contact information. You can contact me and we can talk more. I'm sure there's pastors there in the Carolina Conference that that could talk to you about it, or friends, I mean don't have to be a pastor to understand the Bible. But the basic idea is that surrender is the prerequisite to salvation. And and I like to look at, at a story that I think illustrates this quite well. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. And I know we're kind of running low on time already. Time goes so fast when you're having fun or when you're studying the Bible, which is fun, right? Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, and and in Acts chapter 9, I'm sure you're familiar with the story, so we're not going to um, read the whole passage, but there's this man named Saul, and what does Saul like to do? He likes to go out there and kill Christians. I assume none of you are quite as uh, messed up as Saul, I don't. I I highly doubt that any of you who are listening to this just kind of have a hobby and a job of going out there and slitting the throats of people who follow Christ. I don't know, but I I would assume none of you are struggling with that. Um, But that's what Saul was doing. And while he was out there on his way to go and uh, kill some Christians, he was interrupted by Christ. He was He came into contact really with the Pearl of Great Price. Jesus came down and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul, this hardened sinner, when he came into contact with Jesus, who is the Pearl of Great Price, realized that in order to obtain salvation and a relationship and a connection with Jesus, in order to do that, he had to surrender everything. So let's talk about some of the things that Saul surrendered. You can read through this chapter here in Acts chapter nine on your own if you'd like to get some of the more some of the more of the details. Uh, but some of the things he gave up, he gave up his job. He was hired to hunt Christians. He gave up his hobby, which was killing Christians. It would seem. I don't know. Uh, he gave up his family or. It seems likely that he did. Um, It's highly unlikely that someone that high in the leadership of the Jewish nation, um, as as Saul was, was unmarried. Although we don't know. Uh, We don't know for sure. He gave up his wealth. He had a good job and he had a good source of income. And he gave up all of these things. Why? Because he came into contact with Jesus with that pearl of great price. And what's so cool to me is... Saul, who later becomes Paul, goes from this terrible Christian-killing monster to a dynamic, energetic missionary for Christ, all because he came in contact with the Pearl of Great Price. But in order to become who he became in Christ, in order to become the apostle to the Gentiles, which is what Paul is known as, he had to surrender. He had to give up everything because his life was contaminated by sin. Have you ever wondered? I know I'm changing gears here, but have you ever wondered why surrender and the Christian life and whatnot is so hard? I'd like to read to you from Messages to Young People, page 118. A little passage that I think helps illustrate why it's sometimes so hard and so difficult to live a life for Christ. She says, Ellen White says, a union with Christ by living faith is enduring. Every other union must perish. Christ first chose us paying an infinite price for our redemption. So this is what we talked about two nights ago. Christ purchased us because he saw value in us. And the true believer, I'm continuing to read, the true believer chooses Christ as first, last, and best in everything. But this union comes at a cost. It is a union of utter dependence to be entered into by a proud being. All who form this union must feel their need of the atoning blood of Christ. They must have change of heart. They must submit their own will to God. There will be a struggle with outward and internal obstacles. There must be a painful work of, at- of detachment, excuse me, as well as a work of attachment. Pride, selfishness, vanity, worldliness, sin, and all its forms must be overcome if we would enter into a union with Christ. And get this next part the reason why so many find the Christian life so deplorably hard why they're so vickle, fickle excuse me, and so variable is that they try to attach themselves to Christ without first detaching themselves from these cherished idols here's the reality two things first of all the Christian life is difficult because we're living in a world of sin a world that is run by Satan for the most part. I'm not saying God does not have influence here, but Satan is listed in the Bible as the prince of this world. We're living in a world that is run primarily by Satan and so the Christian life is difficult. That's what this passage said at the beginning. They, they must submit their own will to God. There will be a struggle. There will be a painful work. So first of all, the Christian life is hard. Don't get me wrong. Secondly, the reason why people find it deplorably hard. In other words, not just difficult, but difficult to the point where it's like a travesty, like terrible, (laughs) like next level hard. The reason that they find it so deplorably hard, why they're so fickle. Have you ever met Christians who are fickle or have you ever felt like a fickle Christian yourself? Someone who. One day you're like, yes, I will serve the Lord with all my heart and soul. And the next day you're like, um, you know, the world out there looks pretty stinking good. Have you ever met a Christian like that? The Eloy says the reason that so many are so fickle and so variable is they try to attach themselves to Christ without first detaching themselves from cherished idols. In other words, they try to obtain the pearl of great price without paying the price. They try to have a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with the world at the same time. Now I want to make something very clear. The Christian life is a growth process. Jesus talks about it as such. He says the Christian life is like a plant of corn. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. If you look at the life of any one of the apostles, you'll see a process of growth. And by a process of growth, I mean a process by which the person made mistakes, learned from those mistakes, and grew. So, don't get me wrong. When, when I talk about the Christian life and, and how to not have a fickle, variable, deplorably hard Christian life, I'm not saying that if you surrender all, your Christian life will be only one directional. In other words, you will never make mistakes. You will never fall. And in fact, this kind of idea that, that, that Christians never make mistakes is why sometimes... Adventist young people look at adults or or uh, other Adventists who make mistakes and think, oh man, the church is so hypocritical. And they don't realize everybody grows. So just with that in mind, that everyone has to go through a process of growth, even Paul, who we're looking at here in Acts chapter 9, he had to grow. He had disputes with Peter. He had disputes with others. He had to grow. So even though there is a process of growth, the Christian life should not be fickle. In other words, we should not be one day all out for God. The next day, meh, I'm gonna follow the world. The next day, you know, Lord forgive me, I'm gonna follow you. That's not what a healthy Christian life looks like. And the reason that so many people have a Christian life that looks like this, that is so variable, that's so up and down, is because they try to first attach themselves to Christ before surrendering, before giving up those things that are standing between them and Christ. Look this verse up later. Isaiah chapter 59 verses 1 and 2 talks about the fact that sin actually separates us from God. In other words, we cannot have a close relationship to Christ while simultaneously clinging to known sin. There's so much more that I want to cover, but we're running out of time. And so I'm just gonna wrap this up. Just gonna wrap this up with a little bit of, I guess you could say real talk, just a little bit of me not talking off my script, which I don't actually have a script, but off my notes, I should say. If I had a script, maybe I would have less mistakes. I don't know. But (laughs) I'm going to finish this up with with me not talking from my notes, not reading from the Bible, even though that's very important, and me just talking to you, whoever you are that's listening, okay? Christianity, the Christian life, is not easy. But it's rewarding. I have committed myself to Christ, and, and to some degree, at some level or another, have done so for the past almost 10 years. Before that, I, I wouldn't say I was not a Christian, but I, I didn't have a personal connection with God. And I can tell you that it's worth it. But let me guarantee you something. If you as a young person or an older person, or any age of person, an ancient person, I don't <laughs> I don't know. If you as a young person who is listening to this, listen and, and you're thinking, you know, I've looked at... The evidence, I believe there is a God. I've studied and I've seen that Jesus values me, that he really wants me to be saved. I've seen that I need to take a step in the right direction. I need to utilize what God has given me. I need to step out in faith and, and, and then the power will come. And now you're thinking, Lord, I want to surrender myself, heart and soul and body to you. If you're in that place, praise the Lord. I'm really happy, like, I, it, it brings joy to my heart to know that there's the potential that somebody listening to this will make a decision for Christ. But, if you're in that place, let me guarantee you this, Satan will not be happy. And he will do everything he can to discourage you. And, and the reality is, what he's going to try to do at least what he's tried to do to me so many times, is he gonna, he's going to give you a little, little time of, of reprieve. A little time of growth. And you're going to be so excited to serve God, to surrender to Him, to live for Him. and You're going to be giving your life to Christ, and everything's going to go real well for a while, and then you're going to start becoming complacent, and then Satan's going to go, boom, knock you down. And then he's going to give you some time to grow. And then he's going to try to come knock you down again. And you know what his goal is? His goal is to keep you in this vicious cycle of victory and then some defeat. And then victory and then some defeat. Until you finally get to the point where you're like, you know what? This is stupid. If I just stayed on the ground, I wouldn't keep getting smacked down. That's what Satan wants to do. And while you will fall, most likely, if you give yourself to Christ, while you will make mistakes, the reality is that if you continue to surrender to Christ and if you continue to step out in faith, He will make you into the person who He created you to be. So my challenge to you, first of all, obviously, is to is to go through what we've talked about, to know that God exists. Or to find that he doesn't. I I don't know how you would arrive at that conclusion, but I have to leave that option open. Know that God exists. Know that the Bible is true. Know that God loves you. And then surrender yourself to him. But if you do that, do not give up. Do not give up easily. Keep fighting. And the reality is, even though you may fall, Even though you may make mistakes, in fact, you will make mistakes, you will fall, you will encounter discouragements. Even though you do that, Christ will still be working on your heart and making you into the person He created you to be. A couple of quick verses just to wrap up. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 and Jude chapter 1, only chapter, and verse 24. Both of these verses remind us that God... Jesus is the one who will work with us from the beginning to the end of our faith. Jude 24 says, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. If you, if you give yourself to Christ, if you surrender yourself to Christ, he has promised that he will, he who is the author and the finisher of your faith, He will preserve you in him so long as you stay surrendered and he'll do everything he can to help you stay surrendered. He will preserve you and grow you and present you faultless and sinless when he returns. So I want to challenge you. Christianity is not for the weak. It's not something you just take up and put down randomly whenever you want to. It's something for you to think about, you to study about, you to pray about, and if you believe that Christianity and Adventism is true, and if you believe that Jesus really loves you, and if you want to give yourself to him, then go for it. Give yourself to him fully. Surrender all the way, and then God will use you To fulfill the prophecy of Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14 which says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. And then shall the end come. I challenge you, if it's your desire to take this journey, the journey that I'm on, the journey to getting to know God and surrendering to Him. If that's your desire, spend some time tonight praying and committing yourself to God. And if you have not been baptized, if you want to... Be baptized as a commitment, a public statement of this commitment and belief that you have in Christ. I challenge you, you can contact me. If you don't have someone locally, you can contact, but preferably contact your local pastor. And he will connect you with someone who can study the Bible with you and then help you as you commit commit your life to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord. It brings so much joy to my heart that, that there are avidous young people out there who want to see you come soon, who want to live for you, who want to live with an undivided surrender to your will. And Lord, we know that Satan wants to tell us that living up to your law and living up to what you've asked us to do is impossible. We know through you all things are possible. We know that you are the one who is able to keep us from falling to present us faultless before your presence with exceeding joy. And so I commit myself and each and every one of the young people who are listening to this or who may listen to this in the future, I commit each one of us to your care because we want to live for you. Lord, if there's someone out there who doesn't know whether or not to commit to you, who doesn't know whether or not you're, you're there, wherever someone is along this journey, I pray that you will be with them. Pray that you will help them to take the next step toward getting to know you because I know that in you I've found more peace, fulfillment, joy, and happiness than i found anywhere else. I thank you and I pray these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.